0: can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to New Books Network. My name is Laura Goldberg. I'm your host today on the Food Channel. You might know me from my uh, own food blog, VittlesVamp.com. I am here today with a TikTok superstar uh, who has just written his first book, Jeremy Sheck, the book is Sheck Eats, Cooking Smarter, Friendly Recipes with a Side of Science. Um, really excited to have you on the program.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Oh, well, I, you know, I started reading your book and the first thing you've gotten the acknowledgement is just made me smile. Some people save lives. I make avocado toast. Um <laughs> Where yeah. did that come from? I mean, you've got two million fo- over 2 million followers on TikTok. You do a lot more than just make avocado toast in my mind.
1: Yeah, um, obviously I do a little more than make avocado toast, but I just wanted to like have that set the tone a little bit because I don't know if you've been online in the past couple of years, people are a little bit overly serious in my opinion. And so I kind of wanted to uh, like, I try to approach everything I do online with, like, it's not rocket science and, like, it's not uh, brain surgery. And so, um yeah, just to have a little bit of sense of, like, a sense of humor with it.
0: Well, it, that does come through. What what also comes through, though, is the fact that in some ways this is a family affair. You, you talk about your mom. You have your mom's recipes scattered throughout this book. And uh, there was a line in the book... Uh, and I want to ask you about it. As much as my mom tries to instill it in me, I'm not usually a less is more kind of person. Can you can you explain that a bit to, to Yeah, listening? <laughs> I mean, I definitely have
1: a, a side where I can be a little gluttonous and my mom is very much the opposite. And she's also like an interior designer and very minimalistic. And I think there's kind of like something to be said for both um there's definitely recipes there's two recipes in the book that um i feel like really benefit from the less is more approach the banana bread and the coffee cake those are both ones that i like had tried different ways to over complicate it with different like whenever i'm baking i like to think oh would it be better if it had sour cream instead of milk or yogurt or what lemon zest and for both of those recipes, they were really just good as is as simple as possible. And so to me, that was kind of the the less is more. And also in a wider sense, like the whole book is based on staple ingredients that are used throughout. So uh, you never have to buy a ton of different things and so when um I was writing the recipes in general and choosing which recipes would go in the book I had to sort of start with less is more because I didn't want to have recipes that used like tons of extra ingredients that weren't staples like you know it might have a meat or a couple of vegetables that are not a staple ingredient because you probably shouldn't keep raw chickens just on hand if you're not having a plan for them but um I definitely needed the less is more, and I specifically chose recipes that did not have a ton of other things going on.
0: You know, I really appreciated the fact that that you laid out what the staple ingredients are, you know, um, in, in the beginning of the book, including one that I love, zatar, which I don't think most people initially might think of as a staple ingredient, but uh, I, I truly respect that as a pick. Thank you.
1: I mean, I wanted the staple ingredients to be a combination of 95% super agreeable, like super b- basic things that I think we would all agree on. And then a couple of things that maybe would challenge people a little bit. And at the end of the day, like the, the three things that come to mind are the Zatar, Pomegranate molasses and Calabrian chili paste, and you know you can get the zaatar and the Calabrian chili paste at Trader Joe's. It's not like it's that hard to find, and I also give you other ways to find it. Um, and zaatar also came from. I wanted to only use ten spices for the book, and I wanted to, and and because it's a spice mix, it kind of was a little bit of a cheat code for that. Um, because it has a lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, So yeah, that was sort of the thinking behind that. And anytime I ask for those ingredients, I give a lot of ways to use them also. So you're not just stuck with a seasoning that you don't know how to use.
0: You know, I I appreciated that. And I just, I wanna go back to to actually the writing of the book though for a second. Uh, I mean, you're obviously a tremendous success on TikTok, but I'm wondering two things. You know, why did you decide to do a book? And and also, what were the real challenges in translating a recipe from the medium that you're, you know, used to digital video into into sort of this print form? Yeah, well,
1: I actually did social media because I aspired to do a book in the first place and didn't think that it was necessarily realistic at the time. Like, I had the idea for this book my freshman year of college, but they're, they're not just handing out book deals to 18 year olds. So uh, unless you're like extremely like revolutionary. So I basically filtered it into my social media. But I also uh, have been writing my food blog for years. Um, And I started it like eight or nine years ago at this point. So I had always been sort of into the the aspect of the writing of the recipes. And um, I also photographed the book myself. And that was something that I had been doing since high school for the blog
0: as well. Now, speaking of, of the photo shoots, in your acknowledgements, y- you actually are thanking a ton of people in terms of food styling. So was this new for you? Because you have taken food photos for so long. What was it about this book and and the the photography that really made this a really different kind of experience and what did you learn from it?
1: That's a great question because usually for my everyday stuff, I'm a one man show doing everything by myself. But in this case, um, I had a wonderful team of food stylists and a lot of people kind of assume that they're just doing like little garnishes, but for the purposes of the photo shoot, they actually do all the cooking. So um, yeah and uh, we had a 10 day photo shoot and they made my job a lot easier because if it already looks amazing it's easier to take a good picture of it Um, and it was a really cool experience I also like I had been cooking and testing these recipes for a long time, but they're sort of the final boss of the recipe testing. And luckily there weren't really that many notes, but like they are at the end of the day, reading the written recipe and they have to make it beautiful and perfect. And so if it doesn't come out or there's something wrong with it, they're going to be like the final person to notice before you start that like actual like copy editing process and stuff. Um, So I thought that was cool. And they also, a lot of people imagine food styling as like pouring gasoline on pancakes instead of like maple syrup or whatever. (laughs) Um, But actually all of our food was completely edible and we donated it um, to a local community fridge as well. So that was also cool.
0: Oh, that's extremely cool. Um, One of the other cool things about the book, and it's it's right there in the, the title, A Side of Science, is the idea that you're bringing together science and food in some ways, and it, it certainly made me think of Harold McGee, Jake Henry Lopez Alt, and and I was curious, you know, did you take inspiration from them, or what what made you? I, I know you also studied food science at Cornell, and you thank you know some of your your professors at the in the acknowledgments as well. What is it about science and food that makes that a really important pairing
1: yeah well I think that like whether you're beginning um and you want to if you're beginning like understanding some of the science behind what you're doing to me makes it easier to remember why you're doing things so it doesn't feel like an arbitrary list of instructions um and then if you are uh um, a seasoned cook maybe you've been cooking for 40 years you might be noticing things every day in your kitchen but not necessarily have the vocabulary to explain why things are happening a certain way why does it feel like cast iron cooks things slightly differently than stainless steel or whatnot mm-hmm. so I definitely just always was interested in science and I feel like it's a nice way to um, sort of just explain what's going on and um I think it's more interesting that way
0: yeah no absolutely and and the book itself because you bring science into it you know it's filled with tips and tricks but also some really uh cold hard truths (laughs) you start talking about uh there are a couple things I'd love you to elaborate on one is your feelings about the air fryer and then the other one is caramelized onions. Uh yeah, sorry. Um,
1: I'm sorry, I am so spacey. What I I heard caramelized <laughs> onions, but I don't know what onions. the question oh, was. You, you,
0: the air fryer. Because, you know, I felt like there were as I was reading through, there were some serious cold hard truths about, you know, what an air fryer is and what an air fryer oh, is. Oh, yeah. And then in terms of caramelized onions, you said anybody who says that you can make them in 30 minutes, run. Yeah.
1: Um, sorry. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just like to be very like straightforward and I, I, I was hesitant to embrace the air fryer, but I honestly do think it's a great tool. Um, it. But the reason why I didn't like it at the beginning was just that it was a, um, you know, it's marketing term for a convection oven. But the thing that is great about them is that they are just uh smaller and they heat up faster um and so that can honestly be great and um caramelized onions like uh, there are some tricks some, some people like to use baking soda to speed it up i um don't really um i i just don't really think that those like uh shortcuts are good because they kind of um have issues with the quality and they like break it down a little too much. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, caramelized onions can be one of God's most gorgeous creatures, um, you know, in terms of foodstuffs. And and I love the way that you, you were just embracing that, you know, in terms of the science, time is what is necessary here. And we're not talking T-H-Y-M-E. We're talking, you know, actual hours. And so I really appreciated that. Um, yeah for sure yeah one other thing I wanted to to definitely talk about though was proteins and uh, you have a lot of roast chicken recipes I was delighted by that Um, I'm wondering if you if you have a favorite among them Ooh, that's a good question I think if I had to choose a favorite
1: it would be the maple garlic butter uh, roast chicken or I don't know if it has garlic in the title but that that one has like um uh what it was it, 10 cloves of garlic in it. And um, I just feel like to me, roast chicken is such a cornerstone of home cooking in my experience. And um, I also like want to show that there's so many different ways to do it.
0: Yeah, no, it, I mean, I was overwhelmed and overjoyed because my feeling is roast chicken is something that everybody appreciates and loves. And yet it, it it's sometimes, you know, I I always hear people saying they go to a restaurant. Oh, I'm not going to order chicken, and uh, to me, chicken done well is
1: is so good.
0: It's magnificent. Everybody loves it. And I loved, by the way, one of your your you know one of the roast chickens is called soye. I mean, you had me at hello mm-hmm. there. Um, but you also talk about using things like fish sauce and anchovies, and and things that maybe some people might not initially think of using when they're making a roast chicken, but it. It seems to me it's all about umami.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just think that it's always good to balance like the five tastes. And um, I write a lot about like the difference between flavor and taste. And so I'm always thinking about those. Um, yeah. Like the how to balance things. And um,
0: it's obvious. Yeah. It's very obvious. In, in when you start looking at your recipes and um, there are a few things, though, that I caught in the book that. I had never heard of. And one of them, and I'd love for you to explain it, is and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, mantecatura. It's
1: pretty cool. yeah, mantecatura. I mean it's really just the accent. Um oh. <laughs> uh, it, but yeah, that refers to like the marrying of a sauce uh with either like risotto or pasta. Um yeah. And it's something that I wish people did more, um, in the U S because I just personally don't like like a clump of pasta with the sauce spooned over. Um, I really prefer it to be mixed and I think it really elevates it if it is.
0: No, I, I agree, but I just, I've been doing that where, you know, you add some of the, the, uh, starchy pasta water and you just start stirring until it sort of all gets nice and glossy, but I had no idea there was a term and, uh, so now, now I, I just and now I just need to develop the accent. So thank you, Jeremy. Uh, mantacatura. Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. So uh, you know, I guess I should take it several steps backwards. And I know we don't have that much time together, but can you tell folks a little bit about your cooking philosophy? Because I mean, I think they're getting a sense of that just in this conversation. But you start off the book actually laying that out a bit. And if you could if you could lay that out right now, I think that would help people know what they're getting into when they open the book.
1: Um yeah, I just like to keep things simple and not overcomplicate them when they don't need to be. I do want to like make things elevated and uh more fun, like when I think it's definitely like it's worth it. So for example, I don't necessarily peel like carrots because I just don't think it makes that much of a difference and you can just wash them instead or potatoes. But um, I do think like fresh herbs make a difference. It's not just like for color, like it makes it feel fresher and taste better. So um, yeah, so I definitely like that's sort of, I in general, the cooking philosophy of the book is to have recipes that are like, simple enough for a weekday but uh exciting enough that you could bring it for a dinner party or host your own
0: well you also have some some more complicated recipes or I should say maybe they're not complicated but certainly you you make clear that there is some effort and you know you talk about the science behind braising um can you talk a little bit about the engagement to short ribs oh yeah
1: I mean that's another one that has like 10 cloves of garlic in it um and
0: 10 cloves of garlic in it
1: (laughs) exactly I just um I wanted to do I did a separate uh, like a full section on braising that was a little bit more general and then I had the engagement short ribs which are like red wine braised and I have a coca-cola braised brisket as the kind of two examples but in general I like to write my recipes in a way that teaches the technique so um I, um, uh, so those are kind of like the two big representatives. And then I explain all the ways that you could actually do it with like different cuts of meat or, um, different sauces and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, no. And, and I got to say those engagement short ribs sounded really good. I'm like, you know what? I, I don't need someone to, to bend down and and give me a ring. I just think the short ribs sound really good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Honestly, me too. <laughs>
0: Um, and but there are so many tips in this book that I really found helpful and interesting. I mean, uh, one of them that I think is an absolute genius tip is about cake decorating and it being a two-day process. can Can you talk a little bit about? Oh, yeah. so I didn't
1: make that like I had one little section about cake decorating, and I have a couple like really simple cakes in the recipe, uh, I mean, in the book, but I um, I just wanted to like kind of put it in my two cents. And um, I think that it can be very overwhelming to do a whole cake and then frost it in, in one day. It's a lot of dishes. It's a lot of like cleaning and it's just not really ideal. And it's easier if you make the cake in advance and then freeze it because the I find anecdotally, I don't know that I have the science to explain this, but I find that the, it kind of locks in the moisture and then, um, they're also just way easier to handle. They crumb less. Um, and so, um, you can make it even a week in advance or long. Like, so I just think it's like so much less stressful if on the day of serving, all you're doing is making the, uh, the buttercream and assembling instead of also baking the cakes.
0: But well, You have no idea how you just saved me because I'm, I'm about to have a dinner party, not this weekend, next weekend, and I'm making a cake. And I was like, oh, my God, this this is going to make it so much easier for me than having to do it all the same day. And I just never thought of it. So I cannot personally thank you enough for that trip, uh, that trick. Um, and there's something else you talk about in the book in terms of science and tips that um, also, you know, got to me. Ah, uh, brown butter. Can you talk about yes. the use of brown butter? I love butter, and
1: so um, and I love I,
0: loving butter.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite <laughs> ingredients, and um, I think that uh, brown butter is just a really awesome ingredient, whether it's for savory or sweet things, because um, it just has more flavor. It has uh, like Maillard browning which I also talk about like the science behind that, but it has like a nutty taste and um, it just really elevates things, whether it is for um, like a, a savory like dish, like brown butter with uh trout almondine or like over uh, vegetables, like green beans is so good or in like my, my chocolate chip cookie recipe.
0: Yeah, no, that, if you don't think you had me at hello with that chocolate chip cookie recipe, you are mistaken but um besides desserts you do actually do have vegetables in the book um but they the biggest um, chapter yeah I mean but I noticed in there that there was one head note on your black bean burger about the fact that you you're not into fake meat you want you want to talk about that and vegans and vegetarians and such
1: oh I mean this is uh you're gonna get me in trouble I really uh, like I I am more focused on vegetables in general. like I am um, very vegetable forward in my cooking. I like I think that in general people should be eating less meat. Um, but I um, I just like if I'm eating vegetarian food and tofu to me doesn't count because tofu was not really intended like and in, if you look at like the history and like the culture, uh, cultural recipes that use it it's not often a meat substitute it's just its own wonderful thing but like when it's like the highly processed meat substitutes to me it kind of like defeats the purpose of eating whole foods um if your focus is specifically uh you know the animals I, I understand um but I kind of like to look at the bigger picture like environmentally and um and health-wise. And I just don't know that it really makes sense.
0: Well, I, you know, I, I agree with you. So I'll get in trouble along with you. um, Because my feeling is, you know, why can't we celebrate a mushroom as a mushroom?
1: Exactly. I just don't want to cover up the mushroom. Like I'd rather eat it at, for what it is.
0: Oh, and and so. make it the best mushroom. I want that intense mushroom flavor. I I want to do what I can do to the mushroom to 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 make it the most most how do i say this most mushroomy mushroom as possible um as opposed to trying to make it suddenly taste like duck
1: yeah i I mean it doesn't really make sense to me
0: no no that said I, i i did notice a ton of wonderful vegetarian recipes and i'm just curious if you're throwing a dinner party at home, like what, do you, what are your go-tos? I mean, I'm sure it often you are serving. Honestly, like
1: a roast chicken. I, I do like a braise because you can do it the day before um, and it's even better the next day. And so again, like it's a little bit similar with the cake. Like there's a lot going on the day of a party or the day of a dinner party. And so to have the main thing sort of squared away already and you just have to reheat it is honestly very good um and Very i just appealing. think it's a smart way to prepare yourself so yeah
0: yeah, yeah. i mean but okay i'm going to ask you a question now and and i know you might not have been the one cooking but what what is was on your thanksgiving table from this book was anything or or is it completely- we had
1: the maple zatar carrots um
0: okay.
1: yeah that was the one my grandma. Oh, and uh, twice baked potatoes that are my grandma's recipe. My grandma cooked the turkey and the stuffing and my mom cooked a few uh, sides as well. Um, so it was a group effort, but I made um, the twice baked potatoes.
0: Very good. Now, uh, in terms of, of of getting a little bit more personal as well, what are the cookbooks on your shelf?
1: Ooh, well, I have all the Ina Garten cookbooks. I have salt, fat, acid, heat. Um, I have Sofre, which is that restaurant in, I want to say like Prospect Heights. Yeah. Um,
0: The food food is great. uh,
1: Yeah, it's one of my favorite cuisines. Um, What else? I have John Kung's book and um, Sola's book, Start Here. Um, Yeah, Smitten Kitchen. A lot of different books. Oh, um, one of my food stylists, who is her own cookbook author, um, as well, uh, Samantha Sinavarotny, she has a book called Bake Smart, which is kind of funny because it's a uh, very similar title, just baking. Um, and her book came out uh, almost at the exact same time as mine. Um, and it's just wonderful. And she is like one of the most talented people I've ever met. So I uh, highly recommend that one, too.
0: Okay. And I'm just, you know, you you obviously are extremely well-known on social media, and now I think you're opening yourself up to a very different kind of audience. But, you know, in terms of looking at the food scene on social media, what, to your mind, is the good, the bad, and what do you see for the next year in terms of, of that influencing, you know, the American and, frankly, global palette? Um you know, it's really hard to predict
1: what what like what's going to how things are going to change. And um, I hope that people continue to cook at home. Um, I um, am thinking and strongly trying to make it happen to go to Spain this year. And so maybe that will influence a lot of my content if it works out. Um, so uh and yeah, I don't know. I think that as long as people are cooking for themselves at home, I'm happy. I also love trying new restaurants. So it's not like I'm all about only cooking for yourself, but um, I just think it's a really nice thing to do.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you can get inspiration from from going to restaurants too. I mean, there's something to be said for, you know, you talked about simplicity. Um, the luxury of a restaurant is they don't need to be as simple um, in order to, you know, sometimes some things are better off left to the professionals, my aunt used to say. Um, and, and your aunt sure. on, on the other hand, Aunt Rachel said, May your soup be tasty, which I I'm I'm all about. <laughs> well. I love that mantra. <laughs> it's a great one. May everything be tasty though. I mean, you know, is there anything though that you really want people to take away from this book?
1: Um, I hope they see, like, the community aspect. Like, you were talking a lot about the acknowledgments. And it is a very long section compared to a lot of books. But I just, like, couldn't have done it without everyone, everyone's help and encouragement. And it really, um, you know, like, one of my grandmas has recipes in the book. The other illustrated the book. Uh, my mom has a bunch of recipes in the book. And she definitely informed a lot of my cooking styles. I'm one of four kids. So she had to be very practical, um, and so um, I just think that it, I hope it comes through that people, uh, that it's like such a community minded book.
0: It, it absolutely does. And as I said earlier, I, it also definitely feels like there's the embrace of family in it and, and cooking at home and, and, and really bringing people together at the table. Uh, the way you cook is, is the way I think a lot of people dream of cooking if they aren't already. And uh, I think you're going to get a lot more people very happy at the table. So um, thank you so much for being here, Jeremy Sheck. Once again, the book is Sheck Eats, Cooking Smarter, Friendly Recipes with a Side of Science. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks so much for having me.